Hello and welcome to the Toasted Tale Live. My name is Jim, and today, like most other days when we do a live Toasted Tale episode, I my aim is to add a bit of positivity into our collective days. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look through some positive news stories from yesterday. And this is obviously going live on the 26th, so we'll be looking at what happened on the 25th and see if we can get any smiles from people around. What we will also do is we will go and look into a debate topic. Today, the debate topic is, do aliens exist? We will explore both sides of the argument, the pros and cons, and then also try and understand a bit more about the subject in general. After this, what we will be doing is we'll be looking at this day, the 26th of January, and looking about what happened on this day in history. The Toasted Tale is a live show that happens every day at around 4pm, but also every Tuesday a more structured and kind of uh, cultivated episode is released, and that is where we kind of spin a random subject and we try to find a story within so that we can all find something interesting about something random that's happened to our species or planet. If you like what you hear today on the live show, then you may also enjoy hearing the more um, more organised version of it. And uh, yes, and in the uh, live show we do here, it is a bit more kind of a bit here and there, slapdash, a bit more fun and games. And so with that, let's move on to the first segment that we like to do, which is the positive news. So as always, I've got this from the goodnewsnetwork.org. They are not sponsored, well, they haven't sponsored me or I haven't sponsored them or anything, but I just do find that in a world where negative news is prevalent, they really do put out some really positive stuff, which I think is really important as well. So let's look at the first story that we have. The title is Gigantic Planet Found Hidden in Plain Sight. The article goes a bit like this. An astronomer and a group of eagle-eyed citizen scientists have discovered a giant gas planet hidden from view by typical stargazing tools. The planet, which is rather scientifically named TOI-2180, B, has the same diameter as Jupiter, but is nearly three times more massive. Researchers at UC Riverside also believe it contains 105 times the mass of Earth in elements heavier than helium and hydrogen. Nothing quite like it exists in our solar system. There's a quote here which goes a bit like this. Quote, TOI-2180b is such an exciting planet to have to have found, end quote. This comes from a UCR astronomer, Paul Dalber, 
who helped confirm the planet's existence. He continues, It hits the trifecta of 1. having a several hundred day orbit, 2. being relatively close to Earth, which is uh, 379 light years, which uh, is considered close for an exoplanet, and 3. us being able to see its transit in front of its star. It is very rare for astronomers to discover a planet that checks all three of these boxes. End quote. Dalber also explained that the planet is special because it takes 261 days to complete a journey around its star. A, relatively, oh, a relative proximity to Earth and the brightness of the star it orbits also makes it likely astronomers will be able to learn more about it. I love news about space. It is something we see every night, but is a subject which is just shrouded in mystery and uh, intrigue. Because really, we haven't explored barely any of it at all. You know, if you take a percentage of what we've seen versus the entirety of space, it would not even register on a record. So any interesting celestial bodies we can see and study more is fascinating to learn more about. I look forward to hearing more about this planet and many more of its type. The second news story that we have, the title goes a bit like this. Get moving to put the brakes on early Parkinson's, study says. The article goes a bit like this. A new study suggests that people with early-stage Parkinson's disease who regularly got one to two hours of moderate exercise twice a week, like walking or gardening, may have less trouble balancing, walking, and doing activities later on. Researchers found that those who exercised regularly over five years did better on cognitive tests and had slower progression of diseases in several aspects. One of the authors of this study says, quote, Our results are exciting because they suggest it may never be too late for someone with Parkinson's to start an exercise program to improve the course of their disease, end quote. The person who said that was Kazuto Tutskita, who was the author of the study and is an MD of Kyoto, or Kyoto University in Japan, and a member of the American Academy of Neurology. They go on to say, quote, That's because we found that to slow progression of the disease, it was more important for people with Parkinson's to maintain an exercise program than it was to be active at the beginning of the disease, end quote. The study they are referring to and completed looked at 237 people with early-staged Parkinson's. They had an average age of 63 and were followed by researchers for up to six years. Once again, I love these results and the study as a whole. I think I've mentioned before on the Toasted Tale Live podcast that Parkinson's is really one of those horrible diseases. It kind of takes who you are, the person you have built for yourself over so many decades, and then it slowly 
robs you of everything that makes life worth living. Many people have had people taken from them uh, from Parkinson's, and any development, any leap forward that can be gained, like this, that can help people remain themselves longer, is unbelievably welcomed. Let's move on to the third good news story of today's show. The title goes a bit like this. Watch incredible moment. Young opera fan stands up during Soprano's Verdi performance to sing tenor part. The article goes a bit like this. When a famous soprano was solo performing a Verdi aria that's normally a duet, she received a helping hand by a fan who happened to be a tenor in the audience. In a beautiful story that highlights the international confluences in opera singing, Chinese music student Liao Zhanwei was in Panama, no, was, in, was in Parma, Italy, sorry, to watch a Cuban-American soprano, Lisette Orospisa, perform a recital. Sempre Libre, or Forever Free, from Giuseppe Verdi's La Travita, is meant to be sung principally by a female, with a male tenor's voice from offstage, as if singing from below a balcony. After Oropisa's finished the first bar without any male voice responding to her, Liu summoned the lion's share of his courage, and joined in during the second bar. Captured on social media, Oropisa's voice and face is one of sheer delight and surprise, and the video has gone properly viral. Violette, Oropisa's character is written as saying, oh, in the libretto, but the soprano's subsequent oh, grazie, was a bit of clever improvisation, one which caught, oh, one which the crowd caught and enjoyed. I love that. It's, um, there's been a number of stories over the years of fans or just people in audiences who have stepped into live performances and elevated the event in such a way that changes its itself entirety. This is one of them. Nobody when they went to this recital would have felt that something unbelievable would have happened. But it just proves that at any time, with the people around you, a bit of a spark, a spark of magic, like someone in the back row, someone from a halfway across the world could stand up and turn an even, you know, an already beautiful moment into something quite spectacular. The final of our four positive news stories today goes a bit like this. The title goes, Babies use kissing and sharing their food as signals to interpret their social world, says New Study. Learning to navigate social relationships is a key, or oh, is a skill that is crucial 
for surviving in human societies. For babies and young children, that means learning who they can count on to take care of them. MIT neuroscientists have now identified a specific signal that young children and even babies use to determine whether two people have a strong relationship and a mutual obligation to help each other. Whether those two people kiss, share food, or otherwise share saliva. In a new study, the researchers found that babies actually expect those who share saliva to come to one another's aid if any one person is in distress. Much more so than when people share toys or interact in other ways that do not involve the mouth. The findings suggest that babies can use these cues to try to figure out who around them is most likely to offer help, the researchers say. They say, quote, Babies don't know in advance which relationships are the close and morally obligating ones. So they have to, you know, they have to have some way of learning this by looking at what happens around them, end quote. This was said by Rebecca Sachs the John W. Jav, hmm, Jav <laughs> Professor of Brain and Cognitive Sciences, of, sorry, that's not Brian, <laughs> of Brain and Cognitive Sciences. That makes a lot more sense. I don't know what Brian is doing with Cognitive Sciences, but I think Brain works a lot better. A member of MIT's McGovern Institute for Brain Research and senior author of the new study in the personal, or in the journal Science. That's amazing. It opens up another kind of window into the mind of all of us when we were a lot younger about what we were looking for, about what developments happened within our brains in order for us to give ourselves the best opportunity to grow up, thrive, and form some kind of tribe even before we were able to speak or communicate properly. And the fact that science is able to identify pieces of information like this really shows, firstly, the, di the diversity of studies and uh, kind of scientific uh, experiments that are going on there, but also how in-depth we are getting now as a scientific people uh, into our own understanding about the about where and how we exist in the world. I really enjoyed those four news stories. I think they were really, well, they were very different, they were very varied, but also very positive, and I enjoyed that greatly. We, of course, didn't do a live Toasted Tale podcast yesterday, and that was because that is when the scheduled um, traditional live show, uh, traditional Toasted Tale podcast is released. And so we didn't get the positive news stories from Monday, but I feel like it was really good to understand what happened yesterday, or what was reported on at least. If you enjoy the Toasted Tale podcast and enjoy its live and its more formatted shows, 
then the best way to be kept up to date with everything that's going on is to subscribe and follow the show on whichever podcasting platform you prefer. When you do that, you not only support what we do here, but you also ensure that all future shows will be delivered straight to your mm, door. There we go. <laughs> I was going to say kind of collective door, but um, to your devices and all that stuff. Technological door. There we go. And yeah, it's great to have people listening and live and downloading the shows every week. I really appreciate any feedback that you have on the shows. And yeah, I look forward to many, many more years of this relationship. The next segment that I really want to go into is a new segment that we've done on the live Toasted Tale podcast. Usually we would go and look at some randomness on the internet, and that will definitely happen again on future episodes. But forever I've been interested in debates, subjects that create conversation between many people. One of the beautiful things about being human and living in a human society is that we are surrounded by people who think different things to us. And whilst this can sometimes bring us into conflict, it can also create amazing breakthroughs and challenge all of us to become better individuals. Now, many a time have I got into conversations with people about subjects and have been disappointed to find that it devolves into some kind of name-calling. It's lacking that sense of communal desire to elevate everyone involved, but it more turns around into, can I hit you round the head harder than you can hit me round the head with facts? And I am of the belief that if you've got a strong, uh, you know, proclivity to one subject, uh, to one belief in particular, then you need to understand where the other person on the other side of the fence is coming from. It's all well and good just shouting really loudly in support of one cause, but if you don't understand what the merits are of the opposing side, and then have a really good, you know, come back for that, then I don't believe you have too many legs to stand on, really, you know. You are choosing to be willfully ignorant about all of the facts. And especially in modern times, there is a kind of tribalism to beliefs in these senses. It is difficult to engage someone who is very heavily entrenched in an idea. And so what I want to do is look at different debating topics and look at both the pros and the cons of these these, uh, different arguments. And I'm not going to give my opinion because my opinion doesn't really, isn't very interesting, but I think it's good regardless of what I, you, anyone thinks, it's important to understand what the arguments are so we can all be more informed. Now, 
probably for my own skin here, I, I chose to pick a debating topic that I felt would be not too controversial for the first episode today. And this one was alien life has existed or does exist. So the idea that, you know, some kind of race or species has existed on another planet, independent of Earth, in some regard. And we've got three main pros to this, whether, you know, supporting that alien life has existed. And then on the other side, we've got a whole lot of cons, those people who believe that it is very unlikely that alien life has existed or does exist. I'm going to read each of these arguments for and against, and then what we'll do is we'll look at the most persuasive ones on each side and look at whether there's any uh, comebacks to these kind of persuasive arguments. So, alien life has, exi has existed or does exist. The first pro that we have says, the size, age, and properties of the observable universe allow for an extremely high number of planets on which life could emerge and thrive. I'll go down all the pros this time, and then we'll go on to the cons. The next pro is the resilient and adaptable nature of life suggests that life can thrive under conditions other than found on Earth. Okay. And the third one is scientific theories support the possibility of alien life. Okay, so we've got three arguments in favour that alien life has existed somewhere else outside of planet Earth. Let's look at the cons now. So, the first con is the creation of life by chance may well be such a fantastically improbable event that it has only happened only once. The next con is the galaxy is so old that other technological species living in it before us should by now, no, should be obviously by now onto such technologies like the Dyson Spheres, von Neumann probes, and extraterrestrial colonization. Of these, yet we have no evidence. And the final con is there has been, there has not yet been any form of contact with extraterrestrial beings. Okay, so three, you know, arguments on either side there, whether aliens exist or not. Now let's click on some of the, and just so, by the way, this is on a website called, uh, Kalo.com. I may have been saying that wrong. It is K-I-A-L-O.com. And it is a website that pretty much exists to look at both sides of arguments. Now, on this website, it allows you to then look at which, are, which arguments have been uh, voted on as the most persuasive. So what we'll do now is we'll click on these and see um, what kind of comebacks to these arguments have been made. So... The most persuasive one on this on this site is one of the pros 
which is the size, age, and properties of the observable universe allow for an extremely high number of planets on which life could emerge and thrive. So, looking at that, we can now see what uh, pros and cons to that are, which is which is why I'm really liking this website. So let's see some you know, arguments against that statement. The first one is, according to the Fermi paradox, there is a contradiction between the lack of evidence and high probability estimates. So just because there is a high number of chance that life could emerge doesn't mean that that is the case. The next con on this is the argument is based on an appeal to probability. So once again, looking at probability versus evidence, which is a logical fallacy. Just because something could happen does not mean it is certain to. I love those. It pretty much takes apart that whole argument saying that the argument itself is a logical fallacy and just because it's happened once and because there is so much space for it to happen doesn't mean that it should happen in reality again. There are of course pros to this. Some of the things supporting this argument is you know, using the Drake equation, astrobiologists calculated that there are too many planets that could support life for there to have never been alien life. Another says, considering the time dimensions of roughly 13.7 billion years for the universe, it is probable that extraterrestrial life exists. Fantastic. So we have, once again, people on either side supporting that. Now let's look at the most prominent con against whether there's alien life and see what supporting nature for that. So just to remind us, that is the creation of life by chance may well be such a fantastically improbable event that it has happened only once. Now, people saying against this, uh, we've got a few quite supportive results there. One, which is when viewed through the lens of geological time or deep time, even a fantastically improbable event becomes a near certainty. So it's the older kind of metaphor. I, I think Einstein said this, but please don't shoot me if I get that wrong. Where he said that if you get a, if I had a tennis ball in my hands and I threw it at a wall for long enough and continuously long enough, then eventually there is nothing scientifically you know, to say that all of the atoms won't line up and just pass through it. Another one that's quite common is if you stick, you know, infinite amount of monkeys on a typewriter then and gave them an infinite amount of time, then there is a very good chance that a Shakespearean play would be written. The next con we've got against uh, that argument is the elements which make up life, such as carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, phosphorus, sodium, magnesium, potassium, are the most common in the universe. So what they're saying is that the literal building blocks for life are there and are common and are likely to be found on many other planets. So everything's there to be taken use of, which once again is adding to the 
percentage percentages that there is of a life on other planets. Uh, the final con on this is scientific findings suggest that the creation of life is not improbable. So once again, it's science believes that you know the creation of life is definitely probable. And I wonder whether our existence on this planet is proof of that, you know, in itself. Hmm. And then, of course, we do have uh, people supporting this belief that it would be fantastically improbable for life to be created anywhere else. And they say that there is no evidence of life emerging independently on Earth more than once, i.e., all known life shared a common ancestor. And this is evidence of the improbability of the emergence of life. So I guess what they mean by that is that even though there's been life on planet Earth for a long, long time, there hasn't been... There was kind of one inception moment where life came to be. And... There hasn't ever been a time where we've all been completely uh, wiped out and then people have come back into existence. Uh, it was one event. And by the very fact that it happened to us doesn't really mean, or should it even mean, that it's in any way probable. Okay, there we go. I feel like we had a look at the de different debates and arguments about whether alien life has existed um, or does exist somewhere else. This is a subject that I am fascinated by because really whether we are alone in the universe or whether we are not alone is equally quite terrifying. But I do like the idea that we are at least thinking about it and searching out for life out there. And I don't know whether in my lifetime we will um, make contact, make first contact. But it would be one hell of an exciting thing to do, I'm sure. So, that was the debate section of our Toasted Tale Live. Now what I'd like to do is, for those people who were here at the beginning of the Toasted Tale podcast, I'm a real big fan of history and learning about the interesting stories that occurred in our own lifetimes, but also in the lifetimes of everyone who lived before. So in the Toasted Tale Live, I like to look at what happened on this day, but in the past, because the stories of those individuals are some of the most interesting things you can find. Any story that you've put into modern-day media, films, books, all those kinds of things, have some link to human experience. And I find that fascinating. Also, for our more structured Toasted Tale, or Toasted Tale show, we tend to take a random subject and try and find some interesting story within. Now... Last time, when I was looking for a subject, I used the live show to, you know, have inspiration, a spark of inspiration for what the next Toasted Tale would be about. And I finished editing, and I've, I've scheduled the next show, so I'm on the hunt for another episode, which means 
that when we look on this day, but in the past, we will be looking at anything that pops out and whether there's any you know niche area of our own human history that we can make some story out of. So, obviously today is January 26th, and the featured event that we're going to look at first is the first European settlement in Australia. This was in 1788, and it was on this day in 1788, Arthur Philip, who had sailed into what is now Sydney Cove with a shipload of convicts, hoisted the British flag and established the first permanent European settlement on the continent of Australia. Now, of course, he, I like how they avoided discovered (laughs) Australia on this because there was a lot of people already living there, of course, but that was the first baby step of European, Europeans touching ground on that continent. Now, moving on to more events. Only two years ago, 2020, American basketball player Kobe Bryant, who is considered one of the sport's greatest players, winning five NBA championships with the Los Angeles Lakers, died in a helicopter crash at age 41. My goodness, I remember that happening, and it feels only, you know, only yesterday that that happened, and it really struck so many people. Um, I can't believe that was two years ago already. Madness. Um, Moving on to 2001, a massive earthquake struck near... I'm going to I'm going to absolutely butcher this but I do apologize. Bhuj in Gujarat India killing more than 20,000 people and causing extensive damage. My goodness, nature, it just it takes no prisoners absolutely. In 1988, Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Phantom of the Opera, a musical version of Gaston Leroux's melodramatic novel opened in New York City and went on to become the longest-running show in Broadway history. In 1962 now, Lucky Luciano, there we go, who was one of the most powerful chiefs in American organized crime in the early 1930s and was deported to his native Italy in 1946, dying at the age of 65. Going back even further now, 1958, American comedian and television host Ellen DeGeneres, who was known for her quirky observational humour, was born. Rolling back the years even further to 1950, India became a republic, achieving full independence from Great Britain. 1942, the first US expeditionary force to land in Europe during World War II reached Ireland. I, as a, as a, as a pause quickly, I love going back in time like this because it really gives you this kind of like, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but longitudinal, no? Almost like a timeline, but kind of, you know, using one one day as the kind of, as the seed. And it just gives you a real kind of crazy idea of like how much the world has changed over this time. In 1925, we've got American actor Paul Newman, 
whose good looks and charisma helped make him an enduring screen presence in the second half of the 20th century. And this was on his on this day he was born. We're jumping back a little bit further now to 1885, where we've got British General Charles George Gordon and other defenders are of Khartoum were killed by the mm, Mahdists. Yeah, I think that's how it's pronounced, Mahdists. Even further now in 1880, Douglas MacArthur, the US general who commanded the Southwest Pacific Theater in World War II, administered post-war Japan during the Allied occupation that followed, and led United Nations forces during the first nine months of the Korean War, was born. And that is surprising. I did not realize he was uh, was born that early. <laughs> and finally, on this day in 1837, Michigan became the 26th US state admitted into the Union. I do wonder whether back in 1837, whether the people of Michigan would have realized what the United States has now become, becoming more than just a union, but a powerhouse in world and global affairs. Well, there we are. A historical look there about this day, January the 26th, and some really interesting historical moments to hearken back to. Some, well, a few that I remember, one or two, and the rest just quite interesting to explore. Uh, yes, I'm quite confident of. But that is the historical part of this show, and that kind of concludes all three segments that we have. If you enjoyed the Toasted Tale podcast in its live form, then you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook, my Hashtag is at podcast tale. And it's there where we post new episodes um, and anything else we find interesting. For anyone, well, for everyone who's listened in to the live episode, I really appreciate you coming in for the ride. And I would really appreciate if you were to come in again for another day, which is four o'clock every weekday. I really hope that everyone who's listened has a great rest of day and that everything you do comes with some kind of success. We all deserve happiness in our days, however hard or difficult it can become. I appreciate every single one of you for everything you do, and I look forward to speaking to you all again soon for another toasted tale by the fireside.